right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, 15. I want to talk to you, I'm going to continue the series on confession, but I want to focus in on thanksgiving, the confession of, uh, of the, uh, well, giving thanks. You know, uh, really you look up uh, homologeo, which is the word uh, that the King James most often translates confession, except for in Hebrews 13, 15, it translates it uh, giving thanks. And if you look that word up, you'll find out that in, contained in the word confession is actually praise and thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, you, uh, it'll actually say two things. It'll say it actually means confessing of your sin or confession of sin, but it also means uh, praise and thanksgiving to God. And when I read that, I'm kind of like, that doesn't, how in the world do those two things go together? Well, then you look to your spirit. You know, if you know to look to your spirit, and then you're like, oh, that explains a lot. Well, what do I mean that explains a lot? Well, let me say it like this. Uh, literally, the dictionary says to confess is to agree or to admit. You know, you come into agreement with. Uh, confession is you come in agreement with. It's a uh, uh, homo. Logeo, which means say the same thing as the logos or as the word, right? We've been talking about that. And so you come into agreement with the word of God when you confess. Well, you do that when you confess that you have sinned. You know, you're saying, yeah, that was wrong according to your standards. And I declare that and I confess that. Confession, um, I don't know. I think sometimes people, confession of sins because it was um, taken to an extreme for so long. Uh, I think we have sometimes lost the value of confessing sin because when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. In other words, what happens? That thing that's just bothering you and dogging you because you made a mistake or something, uh, and you're just going to try and think yourself out of it because you understand redemption and you understand the goodness of God and the mercy of God, you know, just confess the thing and be done with it. Because as soon as you come into agreement with it, you're saying, yeah, that was wrong. Uh, I shouldn't have gone that way. That thing is like uh, non-existent in your uh, past. Actually, there in 1 John where the Word of God talks about confessing your sins as a believer, uh, he's saying like the advocate, the best possible lawyer you could find who knows uh, the protocol, the procedure, the precedent on everything. He's right there, the advocate on your case. But you got to confess. Well, what's the other part? Well, the other part is praise and giving of thanks. Well, how can those two go together? Well, you understand, when you confess your sins, you are confessing your sins to a faithful, righteous, holy, merciful, loving God. And so it's not like uh, the Lord's just waiting to smack you down as soon as you know, see, I told you. No, really, if you look at the word of God, In other words, he's there to try and convince the world uh, you're missing it because you're not believing on Jesus. Your life is not going to be full. Your life is not going to be complete. You're not going to have what you could have. You're not going to have uh, uh, just can't get no satisfaction. I tried and I tried and I've seen those things. I just heard people quote this. 
they just can't get no satisfaction. Well, no, you can't. Well, you can get satisfaction for your flesh that lasts for a moment. Uh, actually, sin satisfies for a moment, the Bible says. That's how I know it does. <laughs> and I've sinned before. <laughs> but that's why I believe it's true, because of what the Bible says, right? Uh, but it's only for a season. And then it's kind of remorseful and regretful. But confession uh, means to agree, to admit, or to give thanks for something. And you see, when we give God thanks, or when we praise the Lord and we thank him, uh, we're saying, I agree, you did that, God. In other words, uh, my grandmother on my father's side, she, you know, I don't know, different generations have different... uh, expressions how they talk and so she'd always say uh, I have to go grocery trading and I remember thinking you're gonna trade trade stuff you know but her father uh you know I grew up in Elkhart Indiana and her father grew up in uh, southern Michigan real close there and uh he watched the stagecoach pull in and out of town so she wasn't too far from trading you know and then Elkhart was founded by an Indian by the name of Pierre Moran and they uh, traded, you know, stuff to get it was on. It's on a route to Chicago, and so uh, it had an island. Has an island still called Island Park, and uh, that island is the shape of an elk's heart. And the Native Americans owned it, Pierre Moran, and so he was a Native American, and so they named it uh, Elkhart. That's how Elkhart got his name. See, learned some history. And my great grandfather, on my on my father's side. Um, he actually uh, built a pavilion on that island. He was a carpenter in the area, and he, anyhow, long story short. So I went and saw it this summer with my family, funny enough. And what's funny is, uh, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and I just don't like pride, especially if I see it in myself, right? (laughs) But you don't like it in anybody. Uh, But, so I'm not saying I was full of pride, but I'm just saying it kept me humble because I always thought what he built was a different building. And so we went this summer with my parents, and they're like, yeah, uh, Grandpa built that. And I said, he built that? I thought he built this other one. They're like, no, no, my dad was an electrician. They're like, no, he, your dad wired the other one. And he also wired the one that his grandfather made. But uh, this is the one your grandfather made, <laughs> great-grandfather made. And I was like, oh, I thought it was something else. And so sometimes you can go along. I'm 43, so you can go along. I was 42 at that time. For 42 years... I probably didn't think about it when I was five, so maybe for 37 years, you know, and think what things are one way, and they're really not the way you thought they were. I told other people, look, my grandfather built that. He had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but it is to agree that God did that. So my grandmother, she said grocery trading. Well, the other thing she would say when it came time to pray for the meal, and she'd say, let's return thanks. She said, let's return thanks. And I really like how she said that. And um, I studied on uh, Thanksgiving. Before I started pastoring, I preached Thanksgiving a lot at actually Melody's parents, where she's at today, for their home church. And um, so I remember uh, studying that. I don't remember which writer said it, um, because I didn't intend to share it in this message, but I will. Um, And that is uh, that Thanksgiving is something that the rich and the poor alike can give. It really doesn't matter what you own you can give thanks. Everyone can give thanks. And it is substantial to give thanks. You're actually returning something to the giver. And when we thank God 
for what he's done, for who he is, for how he has provided for us, we are actually confessing our belief in what he's done. Do you understand? Like if, if you prayed for protection and the Lord protected you, or you prayed for healing, or you prayed for provision, or you prayed for relationship, and the Lord did these things in your life, and you say, thank you, Lord. It's more than just, I mean, now it can be just, oh, thanks, you know, you're just saying words. But no, when you're saying it from your heart, you're actually confessing this is what you have done. So, uh, you know, there was a young lady uh, when I went to Bible school, and uh, I think I uh, it was between my first and second year of school or something like that. And um, she was relating to me that she didn't know how to get into the presence of God. She didn't know how to pray and get in the presence of God. And so I said, well, you, let's just do it by faith. You know, it works. Do you know that works? You act on your belief in what God said in his word. And I said, so let's just pray together. And so uh, we knelt down to pray. And I, I just started out and I said, Father God, we just want to thank you that when we pray, you hear us and that we come into your very presence. You know, it didn't always happen quite that quickly, but man, it was like the room filled with the presence of God whoosh, like this. But, you know, I started out with thanksgiving. Well, I enter into his uh, gates with praise, his courts with thanksgiving, right? Or is it the other way? Something like that. But you come in with giving of thanks. Well, what are we doing? Well, with her, uh, I wanted her to act on her faith. So what I wanted to do was come into agreement with or acknowledge the fact that when we come to the Father in the name of Jesus, he hears us when we pray and we get access into the presence of God. And so that's why I said, well, I said just as I was led to do it in my spirit, you know, uh, to access by faith. But I knew, well, if we're going to access by faith, that means we just have to access by what you said in your word. And if we say what you said from our heart, we access concerning prayer, right? Concerning getting into the presence of God. That's what faith is. Faith is acting on the word of God. Or somebody said, faith is acting like the word of God is true. You know, it's like acting uh, based on the word, not based on your circumstance or your feeling or even your thought, unless your thought has been renewed by the word of God. You understand, your, your mind is not like a safe guide, but the renewed mind is a safe guide. But even the renewed mind needs to be uh, flowing with the Holy Ghost. Because uh, Romans chapter 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, well, if you're a son or a daughter of God, Jesus, uh, excuse me, the Holy Ghost said through Paul that you will be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Romans chapter 8. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Also, right before that, the, the, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So when you're born again, one of the ways, primary ways that you know that you're born again is you have the witness of the Spirit on the inside. Sometimes people have been born again for a while and they say, well, I don't know if I'm really born again or not because they have forgotten what it feels like to be lost. And then the devil wants to try to torment them and say, you're not, you know, because you're already born again, so he can't really get a hold of you. But then he's going to try and lock you up because you are a king's kid and you have the authority of God himself and you have authority over the devil himself. 
And what you say in the name of Jesus from the word of God, uh, he will enforce. He watches over his word to perform it. So it's in the interest of the enemy to get you not to act from that position. If you can get you know, one that's in authority uh, to not act from their position to enforce. Like sometimes people do this when they get pulled over by the police for speeding. They want them not to act from that position. They just want to be like, buddy, buddy. <laughs> well, it's so cold out today, isn't it? Don't you want to get back in your car? <laughs> I'll make this real quick for you. Well, the devil doesn't want you to act from who you are in Christ, because you, if you act from that position, you're going to act like Christ. Uh, you're going to act like the anointing, the anointed one in his anointing in a situation. And uh, burdens will be removed, yokes will be destroyed, bondages will be broken, uh, because you're yielding to the anointing. And when the anointing comes in contact with burdens, yokes, and bondages, uh, they have to give not the anointing, presence of God. And so we agree or we admit God did that when we confess and give thanks. And we admit he's right. And uh, we give thanks. Your confession of thanks is your confession that he is working. In other words, uh, maybe you have a financial challenge and you, you're... you're uh, following the leading of the Lord in your giving, and uh, you've asked the Lord for provision, uh, claimed what you need, taken your authority, well, then what do you do? Well, you do Mark eleven twenty four. When you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. So you give thanks. Lord, I just want to thank you that you are my provider, that you said that you would provide for all of my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I just want to thank you that you're doing that. You know, Paul and Silas, Acts 16, 25, at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them, so they did it out loud. So at midnight or the darkest hour in their life when they're all tied up, their hands are uh, in stocks, their feet are in stocks, then they lifted up their voice and prayed, but they didn't just pray. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Uh, you know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we quoted early in the, earlier in the service, that um, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you, right? But what does it actually say? have it here, but sometimes I just like to turn to it in my Bible. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, it's really easy to get in a position where you're asking, 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 but you actually aren't Mark eleven twenty four 24-ing. In other words, you're not believing you receive when you pray. You're believing you're asking, and I guess you're believing that the Lord's hearing, but you're not believing that he has taken care of the request that you're asking because uh, your attitude is still the same and your demeanor is still the same. Well, some things uh, that can kick you out of that if you say, well, I believe I receive right now. I believe that he is working on it right now, like A.B. Simpson concerning his healing. He said, I knew God had it in hand, and if he had it, I didn't have to think about it. So he could be happy. So 
it's a real good indicator for yourself if you're uh, praying the prayer of faith concerning something and you're not happy after you pray the prayer of faith, you didn't pray the prayer of faith. Because if you prayed the prayer of faith, you're going to get happy because you actually believe you receive. Why? Because you had faith in God, 1122. So you laid hold on the faithfulness of God or you laid hold on what God could do. Like if someone is faithful, if you're a faithful uh, one that serves in the church, you say they're very faithful. What does that mean? Every time you turn around, they're doing exactly what they committed to do. They are doing it. It's like, it's like you could set your watch by it because they're very faithful. Well, God will always do what he said he would do because he is faithfulness personified. God is faithfulness. So Jesus said, lay hold of the faith of God in the margin of the Bible. Or one translation said, the faithfulness of God. So you say, well, well, I have prayed, and, and I believed I received for like a week, and then, and then I didn't. Well, Jesus said the prerequisite for that, I like how I like to describe it, the prerequisite is lay hold on the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of Tim. Because it doesn't do away that we're supposed to be disciplined, and we're supposed to have a set systematic disc- discourse, like this is what we're saying all the time. But you are not perfect, and I am not perfect. But Jesus is perfect. And so he said, grab hold of not your own faithfulness, but the faithfulness of God. I was reading after a, uh, uh, someone in the late 1800s that the Lord really used a lot in divine healing this last week. And uh, he, was, he was saying back then, like in uh, like 1890, 90-something, I think it was, he was saying, you don't have faith in faith. You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his work, in what he's doing. And he said, faith is just an avenue to God. You understand? It's your connection to God. But that's why I love Mark eleven twenty two 22, because Jesus said, have faith in God. Lay hold of what God has done and is doing and will always do. Like, lay hold of the work of God, of God himself, and then do the other stuff. So it's all predicated on faith in God, that I have faith in God. Well, what is faith in God? Well, I mean, I can't describe it, but I can give you some, some shades of the meaning. I can't describe, I mean, because it's of God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say like it's all mystical, but what I'm trying to say is it is a, a complete release of self-confidence, self-anxiety, and a complete grabbing hold of all that God has done in Jesus for you on your behalf right now at this moment. It's a now thing. It's not a a will-do thing, and it's not so much a has-done thing. It is a has-done thing, but that's still not faith unless the has-done thing affects me right now at this moment. So he can has done a lot of things, and he has done a lot of things. But does has done affect me right now? And if it does, what's going to happen? Lord, I thank you that when I prayed, you heard me. So you're working on this case. And so then when the thoughts come or the pressures come or the people call and, and you're like, well, it seems like the situation hasn't changed. Well, then what you do, you don't really necessarily say it to the people on the phone. It's not necessarily wise to do that. 
But you hang up the phone and you say, Lord, I thank you that you are working on this because I have put you to work on this. But Jesus said, have faith in God. Well, what is faith in God? Well, one of the things is it's your reliance on him and what he's saying at the moment. Remember, how does faith come? How is faith real to you? Romans 10, 17, it comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God or the word that God's speaking to you right now. So you cannot separate faith from God from being led by his spirit because the spirit of God is God, you understand? And so he's not going to say something different than the word. The spirit and the word agree. So when you're grabbing hold of the faith of God, you're in uh, communion with God. In other words, you know what the Lord is saying. So when that person calls and they're saying something opposite and you get off, you say, Lord, I want to thank you because uh, I believe I received when I prayed. So I want to thank you. Well, when I'm saying that, I'm still, um, I have not like drawn an invisible line between me and the spirit of God and then I'm just going to make these confessions. My, uh, my heart is looking to the author and the finisher of my faith the whole time. Because it is a relationship. Faith is a relationship with God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So that when I'm making this confession, because the reason I say that is sometimes people will just like, they'll just decide, apart from the leading of the Lord, I'm going to say this because I want this. Well, you have not because you ask not. Or what's reason number two? Because you ask with the wrong motives. Well, you can ask with the wrong motives and uh, make that confession. And then somebody calls and tells you the opposite thing. And you're like, well, I just want to thank you that I have it. I just want to thank you that it's mine. But the whole time, if you look to the Holy Ghost on the inside, he's not going along with what you're saying. So that's what I'm saying. Faith is, is, is birthed, uh, originates in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here's that. Faith comes by the word. Jesus is the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And so your relationship with the Word, the Holy Spirit's going to take the Word and make it real to you and make it applicable in your life at this moment. So, so, so faith is not a formula. That's why I say I, I can't describe faith for you, but I can tell you what faith is according to the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's not like... I'm trying to say it's not like a scientific thing. Like I could tell you, here's the formula uh, to make, well, maybe it's like lemonade. Here's the formula to make the best lemonade. But your best lemonade might be my best lemonade. <laughs> and don't take that illustration too far. Because I'm not saying like your plan, the way God is with you is not with me. But. So faith will give thanks because faith believes it receives. And so uh, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, you know, we have a, a peach tree in the yard, and the first year it produced really good, and then we had a windstorm last year, and it kind of busted some branches, so I don't think it was as happy. Um, but that fruit tree is a wonderful fruit tree. But if that fruit tree doesn't have any fruit on it, it's a disappointing fruit tree. You can see why Jesus, you know, <laughs> cursed the fig tree. Because it was supposed to have fruit and it didn't have fruit. And that's a little bit frustrating when you're supposed to have fruit and you don't have fruit. Like, why is there no fruit? So this is the fruit of our lips. 
What? What's the fruit of our lips? Giving thanks to his name or making confession to his name. So what if your lips are not doing that? That's a little bit disappointing. That's a little bit disappointing. And do you understand uh, confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo? How in the world is the cargo that you desire going to travel on a road that there is no solid ground to go on? Man, I could go on that illustration. Because you know, I said I'm working on my yard. You know, there's a lot of clay in Virginia. And when it rains and you have soft clay, you can get, I have pictures on my phone of my children. They have these, you know, rubber boots that go up to like here. And they were all stuck. Like they couldn't get out. Like they had to come and get me. And I almost got stuck. Evie went to help them. She brought a big old rock, but then she got stuck. And the nice brothers that they are, they left her there. And they came inside and they said, Evie's stuck. So I went out and she was stuck because that suction. Why? There's no solid ground there. It's all just mushy and slippery and heavy. You walk that path, you know, because I had to do work out there. Of course, I go get my kids. So you walk that path and then you're left with the stain of that. In fact, you probably could find it. It's, it's that color, that orange color or yellowish, whatever. So you're left with the stain, but not only the stain, I walk that road and I'm full of weight. Do you know how heavy wet clay is? It is heavy. I came from where we have like a foot of topsoil and then you go like it's a foot of sand and then there's a gravel layer and you know, it's totally different than here. And I got like an inch of topsoil, if that. And then I'm going to go down to like a grayish clay and then like an orange clay and rocks in between. And it's, it's, but we have mountains here. We didn't have mountains where I was. So, there's benefits. But your confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So I don't have to build a, rebuild my driveway because part of what I did was my driveway. So then I have to like pack it all down and then I have to put like big rock and then I put little rock and I pack it all down so that what? I'm building a road so that I can travel on that road. And so you have to build the road with your mouth. And one of the best ways is through... Uh, Thanksgiving. Why? Because if you're confessing that, you believe that you received. So you're not waiting on God to do something. You believe it's yours. So you're not just uh, distracted by um, when's the Lord going to do it? When's the Lord going to do it? No, no, no. You're like A.B. Simpson. I know the Lord has it in his hand and if he has it in his hand, I don't even have to think about it because he's got it. And I'm in a relationship with him, so if he ever tells me, hey, you need to say this, you need to do this, I'll do it. But then I'm not full of worry, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, anxious about it, because he has, he has taken care of it. So you can lay back and have a good time. Brother Hank used to say, you know, have a big time. He said, we were coming, some ministers came to visit the campus, and we were like $2 million in debt at the time and building these buildings. And they said, oh, I know you must carry an awful heavy load. He said, no, we're not carrying any load. We have a, we're having a big time. <laughs> so what he said, well, what does that mean? 
Does that mean he didn't have the $2 million of debt? No, that was still there, but he didn't have it. What does that mean? Well, it's in the ministry name, but you're the head of the ministry like that and then on the earth, you know. And uh, you could easily grab hold of the pressure that those, uh, the need for those finances would carry with them. But he said, no, he said, I, I rolled all that over on the Lord. I gave it to the Lord, so I didn't have it. So he wasn't lying. He's actually acting on the word that, no, I don't, I'm not carrying any load. So you can be in the midst of what would break other people the pressures and the things, and it would break you if you try to carry it. But you just cast it over on the Lord. And say, I'm not going to, I'm not, I refuse to let this be Lord of my life. Jesus is my Lord. And he's, he's, he's got it because I gave it to him. And if you find yourself picking it up, what do you do? Well, I just say, oh Lord, forgive me. Here, you take it. I obviously can't. I obviously break under the pressure of that. My personality changes. I say things I shouldn't say, do things I shouldn't do. So I have no business with that because you care for me. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your word and you healed us and delivered us. That you made a way where uh, it seemed like there was no way. That you are the way maker and that you are the giver of life and the giver of hope and the giver of all good things, that you are a giver. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are our provider, that you provide for us the very best. Father, that we're able to live the way you want us to live and fulfill your call upon our life. Father, I thank you that you are our healer. That you heal every, have healed every sickness, every disease, big and small, what we think are significant and insignificant, that you made provision for every single one. Father, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm going to keep praying in just a second, but I want to mention this to you. Isn't it interesting that the Word of God says in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed? It doesn't say by whose stripes mankind was healed, but it actually makes it personal. By whose stripes you were healed. Of course, it includes all of mankind. But he's not one to have your focus like he healed everyone. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, faith is now and faith is personal. What is God saying to you right now? So when you read that scripture, if you're responsive and yielded to the Holy Ghost, then what he is saying to you is, I healed you then. You were healed. So you can say, I was healed. So say that after me. I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. What he did by bearing those stripes healed me. So Father God, I want to thank you that I am healed now. That I am whole now. Every part of my body 
functions as designed by you and lines up with your word. I am whole. I am healthy. Your spirit makes every part of my body live with your kind of life. The same life, the same power that raised Christ from the dead raises every part of my body from the dead. That sickness has no place in me or on me or around me. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. Because I am yours, and you're a good God, and you're, you are my healer. You are my Jehovah Rapha, the God that has healed me. The healer is my Father. Father, I love you. I receive what you've done, even for my body, and freedom for my mind, and provision for my life here on the earth. I thank you that you're good, that your mercy endures forever, that your mercies are new every morning, that you're a good God, not an evil God, that you're a faithful God, that you're a loving God, that you desire to be with me, so you made a way for me by the blood of Jesus. So I thank you for his blood. I thank you for his life. I thank you for your spirit who you have given to me. That he lives in me. He speaks to me. I am your child. I know your voice. I know you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Have a wonderful, continual life of thanksgiving day in and day out. If the devil brings pressure, uh, which uh, he likely will at some other point in your life. If he's not trying to right now, just remember Psalm 23, that he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Surely your cup runs over. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a great week.